to Vincent the dude. Hey, hey, welcome everybody. Beautiful. It is a beautiful winter day in Chattanooga today, is it not? Well, you've been in Boston. <sighs> yeah. How was that? How did that go? How are you doing? Well, <laughs> we talk about ELDs and hours of service all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had to drive to Boston. My my wife, my two kids, my dog, and even the cat. We came with us because oh, it was like sweet. for over two weeks. In yeah. your Prius? Or did my, you take no, the Vespa? No, we rented you a took van. The Vespa? Yeah, no, we rented a minivan. <laughs> we, rented a, we rented a minivan. It was a good ride. It was a good time, but it was it's almost like um you know, we didn't stop at a hotel. We drove, we drove straight through, you know, just team driving, switching off, so we didn't violate our hours of service. But it was almost <laughs> like Thanos, like Thanos snapped his fingers. When you're driving, it's just eerie driving through every state, and there's just not many people just driving around anymore yeah, on the highways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw maybe more semi-trucks than, than four-wheelers, but there weren't even that many of those out there. Now, I was, like, really concerned until, like, because even Boston itself, pretty dead. Yeah. But then when I was seeing some family and stuff going into the suburbs, suburbs are popping off. I mean, there's people yeah. everywhere. They're just not venturing out. Yeah, they're not, they're not going into the cities, and yeah, which is smart. I mean, <laughs> I did, you didn't drive on Christmas Day, though, did you? Uh, Christmas Day, no. No, yeah. no, of course not. Well, no, yeah, we did. I drove to, I had to drive to my parents' house to Cape Cod. Okay, yeah, that's that. I've driven like long distance Florida back here on Christmas Day before. Zero people on the road. That's very strange. Yeah, but now you should see a ton. Men are not there. Well, everybody, it feels good to be back. So thank you so much for joining us on What the Truck. I hope you all had a wonderful New Year. If you're in the comments on LinkedIn or Facebook, let us know how it went. We'll be more than happy to hear about it. But uh, you know, let's tip the band. This episode yeah. is brought to you by JJ Keller. For over 65 years, JJ Keller has been helping companies like yours operate safer, more efficiently, and with reduced regulatory risk. When you want a partner to help you build a smarter compliance program, there's one name you can always trust. Visit jjkeller.com to learn more directly after the show, please. So we haven't done this for a few weeks. So let's get you up to date on what's going on with the yeah, freight market. Let's right. look at the New Year's freight market. Zach Strickland broke this down wonderfully. He said uh, capacity loosened this past week as volumes continued to fall during what is traditionally the slowest week of the year. You know, and I saw that in real life, just driving on the highway, just not as many cars or mm -hmm. trucks out there. Um, there's both true and false, though. It's accepted volumes roughly 8% lower than they were the previous 2020 low point, which had occurred around Easter in the spring. Still, overall tender volumes were 15% higher than tender rejection rates. And that was on nearly 20 percentage points higher than it was in mid-April. Let's go deeper. Yeah, so <laughs> it's the holidays, and it's reacting much like it does in the holidays, just at a much higher rate, right? So Van is, so van is down, uh, the rate is down 13 cents from December highs. Uh, it's still up a little bit from the from the previous week, uh, like three cents or something like that. But still down like thirteen cents uh, at two ninety four. Uh, and shippers are, you know, shippers are still spending a lot of energy and money trying to secure capacity during this during this time as well. So it's not like there, there's no real reason to expect an extreme change, right? It, it, we're going to come back online. Volumes are going to come back up. Capacity will start coming back online, and we're going to be looking at fourteen, fifteen, uh, fourteen, five, fifteen on the index volume and, and rejection rates in the mid 20, you know, 25%. Yeah. And you know, people talk about, is there gonna be that January lull, right? Is there gonna be those January cramping, yeah. those, 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 uh, yeah. those tight legs. Well, one of the reasons we don't think there will be right is because of all those boats at anchor. And we talked about this. We talked about with Soroka yeah. from the port of, uh, port of LA. And it's still the case. Actually, I think there's more ships out at, at anchor right now, right? There's about 15 to 20 
ships at anchor in the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. Uh, that big backlog, too, it didn't move very much yeah. during the, the past week in the holiday season. So there's no. still going to be a ton of freight to pick up, a ton to distribute. So we're looking at it pretty healthy. We'll go deeper on it on shows like Midday Market Update. And, uh, of course, we'll have the DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index yeah. on Friday. So we'll really see where this is getting you. But I, what'd you say we were at with those uh, spot rates? 294? 294. All right, a little lower. I'd like to see yeah, a little I mean, right, Yeah, it's down 17 cents, but or 13 cents, but still. I mean, it's 294, dude. It's still, still pretty high. And a lot of capacity stayed online. That's why you saw the, the, the uh, rejection rates drop, you know, taking advantage of that. Wayne Craig kept driving, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people did. But, yeah, like you said, there's still a ton of freight out there to move. It's still going to come back online, shipper. The demand is still there. Second stimulus came through, uh, and we didn't move any of those uh, 25. Yep. Oregon, man, here's some crime. You know, I love a little, little crime in the yeah. supply chain. Oregon, man, he sentenced a $3.2 million fraud scheme for targeting trucking investors. Look at this guy. Clarissa Hawes reports an Oregon man was recently sentenced to eight years in prison in order to pay back $3.2 million for his role in this elaborate fraud scheme while he was living over in Hawaii, living up those high lives, surfing those waves, right? The big kahuna. Well, here's what he did. Senior U.S. District Judge Helen Gilmore, she sentences Neil Kahua. The big Kahua, actually, 52, of <laughs> Wilsonville, Oregon, used to 97 months in federal prison order to pay more than $3.2 million in restitution um, in mid-December. You also could send a forfeit nearly $600,000 seized by the FBI. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 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 the big kahuna previously pleaded guilty to one count of wire fraud in July 2019 in the U.S. District Court uh, for the District of Hawaii as well. And between 2012 and 2018, uh, Kahui uh, siphoned millions from 33 investors, which he promised to invest in a trucking company, which I guess he never did, as well as uh, precious metals, real estate, and even a solar energy company while he was living in Oahu. Um, mm. So it's a good place to go to invest in trucking companies is Oahu, I guess. <laughs> he, well, yeah. And, you know, he was right investing. There in the heart of it, at Freight Alley. He was, was investing these funds in all sorts of things. So he's using them for personal use, right? He did travel, rent, utilities, personal vehicles, even funds at his daughter's wedding. Hope it was nice, little girl. <laughs> Court documents state that his victims included the couples. And look, this guy went after everybody, too. And that's what a lot of these victims do. Closest person might be the one to put the knife in that back, right? He's yeah. his family, his friends, church parishioners. He didn't care who he was stealing from. They would give him seven thousand dollars to five hundred thousand dollars in his fraudulent schemes just just massive full story freightwaves.com for that one but here's another cat here's another guy who's stealing millions of dollars too this was an ex-trucking executive accused of bilking 14 million dollars from an investor and in this one a federal grand jury has indicted a former executive of an indiana-based trucking company alleging he defrauded his employer of nearly 14 million dollars and used the funds to buy a horse farm rolex watches <laughs> and even some some luxury cars yeah so uh, uh daniel daniel r fruits 46 of greenwood indiana was charged with 10 counts of wire fraud, six counts of money laundering, two counts of making false statements to a federal insured bank, and one count of mail fraud, according to a grand jury indictment filed in the U.S. District of Court, uh, Southern District of Indiana. Court documents said a Kentucky investor, David uh, Kloiber, funded a trucking company, Secure Transit LLC, in 2015 and hired Fruits to run it. Kloiber invested approximately $14 million in the business over the next four and a half years, and the money uh, was held in the Daniel Kloiber Dynasty Trust. Mm. 
Mm. Well, a federal um, product user alleged Fruitsy spent most of this investor's money on his personal purchases, like we mentioned. But get, get this. Here, here's a list of the stuff. I love it. $880,000 to buy a home and a horse farm. That actually sounds like not like a terrible deal in this market. $560,000 for an RV and a trailer. He spent a lot on that one. Over $111,000 on a Corvette. He also spent $90,000 for three Rolex watches, $55,000 for just a horse, $33,000 for a horse trailer, $23,000 on payments for two Ferraris, $30,000 for two escorts, and a porn star in a pear tree. <laughs> During that time, Brosnick claimed fruits. He lied about the uh, the trucking company's financial health, uh, who its customers were, and where the invested money was going for. Because it's not an easy conversation to have when you're putting your money towards, uh, you know, Backpage or, or Craigslist, you know, the personal sections. Yeah. <laughs> Does, did he bury any of those Rolexes with, uh, down there in oh, Georgia? Curly's with gold? With, uh, no, with Arkansas Mo or Arkansas Mo's <laughs> gold. With Arkansas Mo's gold. We want to find Arkansas <laughs> Mo's gold. You know what we are going to find right now, though? It's William Gidry. He's the CSO of Diversified Robotic out of Houston, Texas. Uh, you know, a lot of people moving outside Houston and Dallas area, that big exodus out of California. William, thanks so much yeah. for joining us. So good to believe to be here, Duner and the dude. This is great. I love that story. <laughs> Danny Fruit and the Big Kahuna. You can't make that stuff up. <laughs> hey, these guys are these guys are ripping everybody off, right? They're just nonstop, just taking the money and running. I mean, there's your trio from 2020, right? It is <laughs> Arkansas Mo, Danny Fruits, and the Big Kahuna. Yeah, that, those are those are my guys. That, that's my uh, that's my um, my rogues here, gallery. Guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, you know what? I was looking at your LinkedIn, and it said you went to LSU. So you're an LSU Tiger alum, like like Shaq himself. But it said you should have gone to at least one football game. What happened? Yeah, uh, I got married in college, and uh, that took precedence over any fun that I might have. But, you know, 26 years later, it's still rocking. So <laughs> good decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, first about robotic, right? He makes the right decision. But you're a uh, technology company. You're committed to helping small to medium-sized businesses stay competitive. Tell us a little bit about the company and uh, your role over there. Yeah, so so DR, uh, Diversified Robotic, is a technology company that produces uh, solutions for um, small to medium-sized businesses. We're talking to anybody from uh, 10 employees up to maybe 250 uh, in that range. And uh, what it is, an integration company, technology company. So RPA, uh, robotic process automation, uh, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, that whole technology stack, building apps, that sort of thing. So think of Diversified Robotic as sort of an integration company. And what we really like to do is look at the customer from their perspective and find out what exactly is going to give them the competitive advantage. You know, for, for a long time, people have used uh, technology for competitive advantage. But the difficulty is somebody comes out with the same technology, and now they have the same competitive landscape. So my role in the company as a chief strategy officer is to do the same thing for our company that I do for, for other companies, is look at those various components of operating, finance, and investing, and see how that integrated approach can give you a, a, a competitive advantage. So my background, I'm a chemical engineer, but I went and got an MBA in finance, and so I'll kind of mash all those things together with the technology stack, and, and here we are. Yeah, so, uh, William, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. I see, you see uh, robotics, and I think, oh, man, we're going to have the skeleton suits on. Oh, Remember yeah. the exoskeleton suits? We yeah. Don't wanna... Uh, this is not quite that. This is, but but it's but it's it's highly useful and something that we really didn't talk about much uh, over 2020 when we were talking about uh, automation and bots and so on. I guess these are the real bots, right? You talk about the other ones are robots. These are these are bots, right? Can you explain what are some of the things that are that are automated with these with the RPA and and you know how that works? 
Yeah, sure, sure. So if you if you look at the acronym robotic process automation, you do kind of think of an arm or you know uh, Odyssey twenty twenty eleven or whatever. But uh, think about it this way: it's if you have a human employee and they're clicking something on a computer, a mouse or a keyboard. Now you can automate those tasks. You know, you may have someone, for example, they connect to a VPN from their house and then they log into SAP and then they navigate through a module and they run a report, then they download that report to a data file. And then the data file needs to be structured and combined with another report. And finally, that's all emailed to a group of people. So RPA will automate that entire process so that you can launch it by sending an email or clicking a button or something like that. You can also use it to structure aggregated data. Right, So a lot of these disparate systems, especially in logistics and freight, they have their own proprietary databases and the data is all over the place in different formats. Well, you can use RPA to pull that data together, structure it, and then deliver that to your AI component or to your machine learning component. And so there's a lot of uses for it, but ultimately it's used to create a sustainable competitive advantage for your company. Because like I said before, if you have just an off-the-shelf product, someone can mimic that product, they go buy it, right? But if you're actually integrating your processes and honing the efficiency in your processes, that's a sustainable competitive advantage. So RPA kind of looks at the whole business, and then you can look at pieces and parts that are going to give you the highest ROI and make you different from the competitor. So, you know, when small businesses are considering all these technologies, and there's there's so many. There's even an article by John Larkin today on, on FreightWaves.com that was talking about a lot of money flowing in, but not, not a ton of ideas. And then you have small businesses. They don't have the resource of enterprise yeah. companies. But I think it's great that companies like yours and what we're going to talk to later, Stored, is focusing on smaller businesses. Why would they want to use a technology like RPA versus other technologies out there, what they're using now? Absolutely. Uh, well, if you look at how the traditional RPA uh, landscape was, was configured, it was only for Fortune 500 com- companies because it was so expensive. You had to have a center of excellence. You had to have uh, citizen developers inside the company assigned to it. And then you'd have this big rollout for the company. And then you'd have this NOC, which is a network uh, operating center that had to be manned 24 hours a day. Well, we kind of looked at that. Our CEO actually looked at that model and said, let's turn that on its head. Uh, he's a longtime engineer with AT&T. And so he said, let's take that burden off of the customer. Now they don't have that cost, expense, and oversight requirement. And let's take that under the umbrella of diversified robotic. Let's instead let the business owner focus on their processes and then how to most efficiently automate those processes to give them that competitive advantage. So if you look at the investment, it shrinks the investment. And so typically, when you're talking about the investment of time and money, it's a much smaller amount when you're dealing with diversified robotic versus saying, I'm going to take on this new RPA project in the traditional sense. So, William, I, you know, going through your website and reading some of the articles that are listed there and connected, it, it seems to me that you know you're taking away that initial investment in, in what you're doing and bringing this playing field or bringing the smaller business and medium-sized business up in the playing field in this. But there's also that uh, I, I was reading about the 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 RPA death spiral. How do you solve for that type of thing and help those people? Because you can get the investment, get the stuff going, but then fail miserably, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's really what the old model, um, the, the biggest drawback of the old model is a huge upfront investment and then a hope that you get the ROI. Whereas what Diversified Robotic does is we get with the customer and then we look at the, the business and, and then determine what is going to give you the highest ROI. You prioritize those projects and then you chunk them down. 
right? You start small and you say, let's see if this will actually work and provide me the ROI that I want. And then let's expand that into other parts of the, of the company. Typically, our customers have anywhere from five to 30 bots whenever the, the projects start to expand. So it's rare that we see someone with one bot. And that's only because we want them to prove it to themselves. We want it to really support the business. Otherwise, what's the point of doing it? In addition to that, whenever we have a, a new customer come in, some of your listeners are, are probably some of our customers, but when a new customer comes in, we evaluate to the point where we can give them a free trial. We design it, we build it, and we let it run for them for two weeks to see if it actually works. That way, there's no risk involved with trying a new technology. Alexa, Siri, even my GPS, they, they make mistakes. So sometimes, you know, I think, and I think we, we all stand so serious. Sometimes you get a little technophobic about taking your, your hands off the wheel and allowing for all of these automated processes. How smart are these processes? What kind of safeguards are in place so things don't go awry? And, and you know, how much, um, how much tending is there to that data garden to make sure that RPA is flowing properly? Oh, that's, that's a wonderful question. It takes a lot of tending. And, and it doesn't take a lot of tending from you the, as the customer. That's the good part. That's what the network operating center does. It's a 24-hour operation where we man it with engineers so that when something happens, when a website update occurs, when Microsoft rolls out a patch, any of those things occur and there's a discontinuity in the operation, we not only track each operation uh, 24 hours a day in real time, which we have 99.7% uptime for, um, for these operations, but in addition to that, when something goes wrong, you'll get an alert, uh, the engineers on it to, to fix the, the problem. And so, yes, it does take a lot of tending, which was in the old model, a huge drawback, because you had to hire people in your network operating center to track all of that stuff. And now we've taken that burden away. Diversified Robotic handles that part of it for the customer. Rachel Jackson at Wave 6, she says, RPA is awesome. Biggest obstacle is fixing broken processes before we add any automation, regardless mm. of the tech. And I think that's the big thing with, with data and where a lot of those yeah. pratfalls happen. You sort of outlined it there. We just we just went over it. This also happens, I mean, this happens with your TMS or your WMS. Yeah, Anything that, that collects data, there can be a lot of issues. And in the supply chain, there are uh, <laughs> there are a lot of issues in, in data quite often. I think it's probably one of the most challenging things is cleansing that stuff and making sure everything flows smoothly. If people need some help with that, then they want to learn more from uh, from you and your team. Where do we send them? Sure. Uh, just have them contact me directly. It's easy. Uh, William at diversifiedrobotic.com. No S on robotic. Um, or they can uh, reach me on LinkedIn or phone. Simple. 832-415-3937. I'd love to have a chat. All right. If you get a bunch of spam phone calls, that's not our fault. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us and have a happy new year. Thank you very much, guys. Very nice to be here. Yeah, it's good, it's good to have him on. You know, yeah. da David Mouse, he says... Uh, He's got a bot answering his phone, by the way. I think he, that maybe he himself was a bot. I think so. Imagine you could, you could just scale yourself. Sweet. On shows, if I could just program myself to be on a ton of these things, <laughs> you could right. too. Uh, David Morales, he says, uh, Happy New Year. Ron is here. A lot of the gang has showed up. They're all saying uh, it's a great time. Some people complimenting my hat. Thank you uh, to my wife. How, she got this a Polish hat, actually. How long are you allowed to say Happy New Year? I don't know. What are we supposed to say? Well, this is the first show of the New Year, so no, I think I know, just today. I know. I, I, we're well within the time frame. I'm just asking in general. Maybe maybe Rhonda can let us know. Maybe there's a yoga rule or something like that. Is there? What do you guys think? Is there a line of demarcation where it is just, it's just not cool to say Happy is New Year? Is it Super Bowl? Is it Valentine? Is it next major or semi-major holiday? What is, what is it? Well, when do you take your Christmas tree down? It's down. Okay, I don't take mine down to like St. Patrick's Day. 
I love that. Like, like the church. That's like awesome. The church. Like I, put, the church. I put mine up the day after St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you just keep it going long. All right. Well, you got one end. I got to cover the other. There we go. The full Freight 360. <laughs> Speaking of Freight 360, it is Benjamin Kowalski, certified executive management and sales coach at Southwestern Consulting out of, uh, he's coming down to Boca Raton, Florida. Hey, Ben, what's up, man? Excited to be here, Dooner. Excited to be here, Michael. <laughs> we, so we didn't even play. I didn't know that Christmas tree was going to work right into a Freight 360 segue. It's that was a, really good. I well know. done. What's the weather like there in Boca Raton? Uh, low 80s today, so yeah. doing pretty well. It's terrible place no to complaints. be in January. Terrible. Yeah. It's absolutely terrible. Well, Benjamin, for people who may not know you or they may not be Freight 360 listeners or they haven't, they haven't met your online presence, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely, yeah. Co-host a podcast, Freight 360, with my partner, Nathan Cross. Um, we do a weekly show, airs on Friday. But we do a lot of also educational information, you know, content that we put out there. And I think that's pretty much the easiest way to kind of introduce what we do is what we do is we provide education, information, and training so that really everybody in the market can operate at a higher level of confidence and understanding and hopefully resulting in some collaboration and efficiency really across the industry. So, Ben, do you guys get into like case studies or anything like that? Or is it is it general, uh, not that it's uh, lessened it in any way, but generic information, different topics? Do you take that from your listeners and get into that or go into anything specific? So we'll get into some more specific higher end topics, but we try to stay around the block and tackling things, really mm -hmm. the nuts and bolts on the education in the industry. <clears throat> And where that came from is, you know, Nate had started this podcast about two years ago. It used to be the Midnight Freight Broker. And as it grew, we just had a lot of listeners reaching out and just asking for more and more educational content. And coming from the industry and the more people I had coached in it, we realized, you know, there's a big gap there. Um, you know, people go through their trainings or they go through no training at all. But a lot of the issues we had seen and then coaching things were just fundamental understandings that just weren't there with a lot of organizations. And we really just have a goal of trying to fill that gap, if you will. What are some uh, what are some typical gaps that you've seen when you do some of this coaching and you talk to organizations and they're saying, hey, we're having such and such a problem. What have you resolved? I think the bigger ones tend to be on the sales side and the time management ones. I mean, the first thing that we always see when we reach out to anybody or even when we're doing like you know, sales trainings with a company is everybody wants more revenue. They want, you know, higher bottom line numbers. And they all think that number is just by driving activity. And a lot of that is, but it's also, you know, your efficacy, what you're saying, how you're having these conversations, really how you're able to sell on value and really establish needs. I mean, those are some of the core things that we've seen. And then on the other side, I mean, a lot of the efficiencies and really how we're able to help companies drive that bottom line is that, it's through managing their time. You know, a lot of the big mistakes are even just how they're covering loads, what they're saying when they're selling a load, how they manage their carrier relationships. We're seeing, a, you know, the vast majority of the smaller brokers and the smaller companies out there, just like you guys were talking about with diversified robotics, is they don't have the ability to have these training programs. They don't have the ability to scale these and to spend the money to have full-time people. So we wanted to be able to provide an outlet where they can go and get a lot of this free content and free training through our website also through YouTube, and that's kind of the podcast as well, is three different avenues for people to really get some of these trainings and things that some of the big brokers do, but also they don't go very deep into it. And we really kind of wanted to get a little more deeper and a little bit broader with some of that information, I guess, if that makes sense. 
It makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I liken it to, you know, I see your golf clubs back there, and your goal when you go out on that golf course is not to reduce the dollar per stroke that you spent. Right, it's to it's to increase well, the yours. dollar, oh, yes. the dollar per stroke <laughs> that you spent, and just the same in, in sales. That coaching and that training, that blocking and tackling that you're talking about when you talk about sales, you want more dollars per per dial, right? Not less. So the numbers game activity, like you said, just tracking that that gamification isn't isn't the end all, right? Absolutely. And it's the, the numbers have to be there because if you're not applying anything against the activity, like that's got to be a given. You need some of that in there. But it's also like you said, you know, back to the golf analogy is that it's how you're swinging the club. It's the fundamentals, right? You see somebody that's, you know, duck hooking their drive three fairways over, but they don't spend any time practicing. How likely are they ever going to be to reduce their score? And that's a lot of what we advocate, whether it's through coaching or training, is the fact that like you've got to be able to put some time in this in and outside of that if you want to get better at it. And if this is your craft and your trade, you should be driven to want to do that because we've seen that this has been solved throughout the industry just through turnover, right? Companies have just accepted the fact that, hey, we're going to turn over 95% of these people. Why invest in them anyway? That's going to be our big expense in the line item. So they don't tend to invest in that. So we wanted to provide for the smaller companies, like I said, some free resources so that these people aren't out there just dying on the vine, you know, looking over their shoulder because they're scared if they don't hit that metric, they're going to be out the door next week. Well, my brothers, I got some bad news for you. Oh, the, the ball dropped. You talked about Happy New Year. How long can you say Happy New Year for? And we'll, we'll have to spend that in just okay. a second. But oh, right. the ball dropped. And guess what? It didn't cure COVID. It didn't cure any of the situations that we're in. It didn't, it didn't fix uh, people complaining about elections or maskers or anything. Things it didn't, didn't magic. Anything. It's just another day. All right? Ma- it's just another day. Things didn't magically change. <laughs> things didn't do it. It didn't happen. I'm sorry. I don't mean to burst your bubble. All right? But we, Sounds like you're a little upset about it. Well, I'm just, it's put us in this virtual world, right? It's put us <laughs> in this virtual world. We had to do a bunch of virtual events. Ben, yeah. you just did a virtual sales conference how did you like it what did you learn from the experience i mean i thought it was a really great one i know it was actually it wasn't us that put it on it was i I believe it was dan deegan out there that put that on in december um but i I mean i heard some great things i didn't i wasn't personally involved with that one though so i can't exactly speak to what any of the takeaways were but i know it was a pretty good episode from what i had heard Oh, I bet I must have been confused. I thought I saw a post that you said that you had attended a virtual. If you were going to go to a virtual sales conference, how about this question? Then? Let's reframe it. There you go. What would you want to learn at that virtual sales conference? Oh, I thought you were going to ask him what he would wear. Well, that too. What would you wear also? <laughs> I know, first one, I'm going to obviously wear some Freight 360 gear. But I guess, <laughs> I, I mean, what I'm looking to take away, I mean, just better ways to close more deals, right? I think at the end of the day, everybody's looking for more ways to effectively bring more revenue into their company. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sure. You're going to spin this thing? Yeah, but hold on. Before we give, let's give oh, him a okay. warm-up. Uh, uh, we right. do the first one, but your right. New Year's question. All right. We'll ask him. What is, oh, about the length of time? Yeah, like when? Yeah, it's, all right. So let, let's do that. Warm-up to the wheel of stupid, because this is only semi-stupid. It's actually pertinent. How, how long are you allowed uh, since no, uh, January 1st? How long can you say Happy New Year's? How long is it still cool to say it? Two weeks, three weeks. What, what's your rule? What's your cutoff? I think it's first week. I mean, after the first week in January, I think that's pretty much cut off. But I'm more on your camp. Like my Christmas tree was down the day after New Year's Eve. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Right. You guys just want another house. Sorry. I, I do though. Seriously, put mine up the day after Halloween though. Yeah. No, you don't. Well, you have I, a fake I tree, so you don't have to worry about it dying. Well, that's true. Yeah, I keep my fire hazard around all th- up until St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. <laughs> all right, let's spin this damn thing. All right, let's see what happens here. All right. You switch careers, right? You're, you're out of coaching. You're not coaching in sales. You switch careers, and you now work at a theme park. 
as part of the cast. What character are you going to dress up as? Hmm. I'm going to go as part of which cast? Like, I don't know. So are we assuming he's at Disney and not at, like, Hanna-Barbera Land in Cincinnati? Yeah, like, if if you said Elsa and you worked at Disney, you would be, like, part of the cast, right? Or Kylo Ren. We'd probably laugh at him, too. Well, maybe not. Depends. Maybe. Depends. I don't know. If I'm going to go part of a cast, I mean, I'm always going to go with the classics. Maybe just Mickey Mouse, just widely (laughs) recognizable. Everybody likes Mickey. I mean, it's kind of hard to find a knock against him. All right, new school oh. or like Steamboat Willie, the old black and white. Like Steamboat Willie. Yeah, yeah. I like go. the classic. <laughs> well, Benny K, <laughs> you you have some great resources yeah. up on your site. I want to send some people your way. So where do we uh, where do we send them over to? Absolutely, Freight360.net, or you can reach out to myself or Nate Cross directly on LinkedIn. One of the things I wanted to mention is, you know, we're going to be offering some complimentary sales training. So if you guys, anybody out there, has a team of more than a handful of people, feel free to reach out, and you know, we'd love to get that scheduled for you guys. Thank you so much, and uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year's, guys. It was a pleasure. Happy New Year. Happy New Take Year. Take it easy. Man. You know, who would you dress up as, as a cast member? Um, you know, I, I've, I've never thought about it. I, I, um, who's the dude from The Emperor's New Groove? I, I like the uh, Cronk or something well, like that. The Emperor's New Clothes, so you, you can know just what I'm come saying? out. <laughs> Show him the full Monty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, I'm going with a Stormtrooper or something. Like, I got to go. So I got to be like Stormtrooper. you that bad fat. of a shot? Do you just... maybe, maybe Mando. Go straight with Mando. <laughs> go with all that stuff. I'm going as Jacob Bardrove. He said nobody likes, he says nobody dislikes Mickey, though. But I got to, I, I mean, I think people like the image of Mickey, but I find Mickey pretty boring. Like, I can't think of a Mickey. Mouse movie that I like. I I never was into the the Mickey yeah. cartoons. I, I mean, I, I don't hate him or dislike him, but no, it's just I better was, characters. Yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely right? not as no. I mean, I'm Disney a Looney has, Tunes guy, anyways, man. And Disney, I mean, Disney has Spider Man at this point. They've bought everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's true. But I was, a, I, you know, I'm going with Roadrunner or Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, that type well, of stuff. I'm we have um we have a video now. Like so, for our next guest, let's set the table here. Let's play the stored video that they sent us. Let's get an idea of uh, what these guys are doing over there. We talked about this topic in a news story about a month ago, right, or 15 days ago, yeah. 16 days ago. It was about an Amazon for everyone else for smaller businesses, and this is our small freight tech for smaller business episodes. Let's check out the video. The journey to move these products internationally was complex, but they've all made it to their end destination safe and sound, right? wrong. This is only the beginning. To get to its end destination, a product still has to change hands between several different warehouses, distribution centers, and trucks. My name is Sean Henry. I'm the founder and CEO at Stored. This complex journey is coordinated by a shipper with no unifying software to manage all nodes in the process. Instead, shippers must juggle countless email threads, phone calls, and spreadsheets in an effort to orchestrate the product's entire journey across distribution nodes all the way to its end destination. At Stored, we believe that shippers deserve a better experience. Using Stored's system, you're able to consolidate all of that information into one system, one partner, and one process, so you can actually gain new insights and visibility into your entire distribution network. Stored really is cutting edge. We have many clients, many different products that are in here. At the end of the day, it's all about technology, how you provide the information to them. And Stored is that piece for broad range. So we rely on them heavily. By more efficiently using warehousing, companies are able to cut down costs, pass that on to consumers, and radically transform the marketplace. As customer expectations continue to rise, the burden on shipper supply chains will only increase. We alleviate the pain by connecting the nodes of the historically fragmented supply chain into one seamless network. That's the power of network distribution. 
combining one network, one platform, and one partner to manage your supply chain. And it's how we're transforming how goods are moved across the globe. Gotta love these guys. 30 under yeah. 30, him and his co-founder that we're, that we're going to have. You just heard one of them speaking. We have the, the other one on right now. It is, uh, it is our good friend Jacob Bordeaux. He's CTO, founder at Stored, and he's in the southeast out of Atlanta, Georgia. But he even has roots that tie back to Dynamo and Chattanooga. Very excited to hear from him. So, Jacob, what's up, my man? Hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> okay, you, you're, hey, hey, good you to see and you. Your, you guys look good. You're young, man. I'm getting jealous. I'm getting jealous. It's like, it's <laughs> easier, it's, it's older, you know? <laughs> you know you're getting older when you look at other people, you know, and you're like, man, that guy looks... Looking Wait, young, look you know? at these he's junior high and he's running stored stored is awesome you like you so we covered you guys uh you you got on my radar i was reading this article we covered on freight waves you had done you closed 31 million dollars series b funding round last month so a little cowbell for that look congratulations to you and the team over there they've raised 46 million total i believe right around there right yep that's correct amazing stuff so let's get it into is. the journey here uh who are you and why stored <laughs> Yeah, my uh, my co-founder Sean and I we we started stored and uh, like you mentioned we got connected with Dynamo and and deep tie in to Chattanooga. Pretty excited to be on here, um, and we really started it to help democratize um, access to distribution uh, and supply chains. You know, companies today uh, there's a huge disparity between the largest, most successful companies such as Amazon with their key supply chain capabilities and what most, whether small businesses or mid-market or even even large enterprise companies uh, and their capabilities and access. And we just believe that if you tie the existing infrastructure and these existing great third-party providers together into a single platform and a single network um, into what we call a cloud supply chain, you can really drive that access and unlock new innovation and new capabilities for companies. It's really, it's really awesome stuff. And I was, you know, I, I've been following what you guys have been doing for for a little bit of time. You've actually got uh, somebody on your team that uh, won the hackathon that we had. Or, or oh, really? At Freight was yeah. Uh, uh, and I forget her name. Forgive me. I think she might be in your marketing or whatever. But uh, reg regardless, I love wow. what you guys are doing there because, you know, back in the day, I was the middleman. I ran warehouse and doing storage for for an importer of, of floor covering. Yeah. Right. And so when their imports would come from China, we're at literally updating an Excel spreadsheet that we're then sharing with them that then they're, they have somebody inputting that into their inventory. And then we're either moving it on our own assets or outsourcing it. And it's all exactly what you described right there. Right. And it's absolutely insane. Uh, so you guys are that glue that I could have used back in that day. Right. You don't you don't have warehouses, no. you don't have trucks, but you're that glue that would allow me to not use email and carrier pigeon to tell these people where their inventory is, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. I mean, ultimately, the goal is to get people out of, uh, you know, back and forth emails, Excel sheets that uh, are continually out of date, you know, people manually having to update information that should seamlessly flow and enable you to be more effective in everything you do. So this is, this is an older, crustier business, right? Running on spreadsheets, yeah. running on old tech. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes it. And as we get younger, of course, newer blood is, you know, we, we expect things to, information to come quicker, right? And to be shared easier and all of those kind of things and bring those barriers down. But how, for you guys picking up some big partners and you guys have some big partners, you got 230 under 30 guys walking in there talking, hey, we're going to bring this tech. We're going to bring all these disparate things together. How, how, how do they receive you? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately my co-founder and I, we, you know, have always approached it from day one of ultimately, you know, we're bringing our expertise in the areas that we know best, but 
we're ultimately building a team of experts. So uh, it's ultimately a team effort, and we've got some incredible people on our team, uh, you know, whether from existing uh, warehouse management systems or ERP uh, companies to uh, Amazon supply chain uh, individuals from that background that are able to help these companies identify their problems and and speak to it. Uh, it's been interesting to note, though, you know, being on the younger side, of course, uh, you know, just seeing how people respond to it. We haven't really had any issues to date since we, you know, ultimately are just approaching it to talk with customers and and help identify what issues they're facing and, and see how we can help since, you know, sales or, or approaching a company is ultimately not forcing a solution. It's identifying their need and, and trying to, uh, to see if there's a good fit. Yeah, that's awesome. yeah, I mean, that's what changed too, right? For, I mean, even like five years ago, I think that it would have been harder to walk into a lot. This has just changed so much in the past five years. It's Back in the day was eight years ago that I was talking about. When I was talking about, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't like 1984, right? Well, I speak of my like, own experience too. Like yeah. working when I came in, in the business at, at 25, 26, it, it's, it, it can be very ageist business for a while. People don't show it, you a ton of respect at first. They, and they, they, they really don't. They really don't. But what you guys are playing in it, it, is data movement and, and having those issues. And those issues have been around forever. And you don't have to know how to run a forklift or how many pounds fit in a 40-foot container or a forty how to scale a 48-foot container without sending out to the scales uh, five times from the dock to, to be able to do what you guys are doing. This is this is a little bit higher level stuff, right? But that being said, what about those assets? As you move forward with this, are you going to bring on assets and actually have your own connected warehouses and, and, uh, and others? Or are you going to continue to be that middleman? Yeah, that's a good question. It's definitely something we uh, we think about quite a bit. I mean, I think ultimately one of the things that, that gets us excited and, you know, uh, beyond obviously the, the shipper side of the business is ultimately, you know, you have a ton of these uh, 3PLs out there that, you know, they're maybe midsize or, you know, maybe more local, uh, and they have to compete with, you know, say, XPO or or someone out there who's way, way bigger and has way more resources. Um, so it's pretty exciting to help a lot of these small business owners uh, be able to, by connecting them into one network, uh, amplify their reach to be able to serve major corporations and, and major companies, as well as, you know, up up and coming startups. So, um, as of right now, we're you know pretty heads down on ex- continuing to build out the network, work with uh, these different warehouse providers, these different freight providers, and uh, ultimately improve their bottom line and their business. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see what the future holds. You know. I, I, <laughs> The reason why I think too is so we, I'm looking at the number here, 31 million, right? In Series B, if they start getting into assets, you're a smart man because you start getting into assets, then your Series C round needs to be like 310 million. Yeah, or absolutely, million. it does. Yeah, <laughs> it gets very expensive. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of companies, like I've seen a lot of brokerages that have been like, we should buy a trucking company that we control no. our own thing. It rarely works out that well. It doesn't help your multiple either. It doesn't. The other way works. Exactly. If you got assets, you buy you you buy the brokerage. Yeah. You don't buy assets of your brokerage. No, so they're smart. Yeah. I mean, take, take it solve the problem for everyone else right and yes, then integrate and, and get it pump in a there. lot of money through your app not through a 40-foot container so let's talk about money you <laughs> you closed the the round in december of, of 2020 so not that long ago i remember at the beginning of the year freight waves ourselves we were out in the market looking at the the, the venture capital field and what the kind of investments were happening in logistics mm-hmm. even for ourselves first couple months of the year crickets nobody really wanted to talk to you nobody wanted to give you money um as the you know, as the stock market started going back up, and people were like, "Wow, so much stuff is being shipping," <laughs> and logistics became a big focus. Those investments really, really started to ratchet up, and then it was like an explosion of deals that came out in November and December. What was it? What was the year like for you in trying to raise money? 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. Definitely, definitely agree with that uh, review of the venture space. I think uh, the year certainly was interesting last year. Uh, I heard you talking about, you know, we rolled into the new year and nothing's changed. Uh, but it's definitely been a, a crazy year, I think, at the beginning with the uncertainty, particularly even in logistics of, you know, what was this going to look like with uh, disruption in Southeast Asia and, and imports, um, you know, how does that play out for whether you're a distribution startup, whether you're a freight startup, whatever the case may be? Um, you know, from our standpoint, uh, we were pretty focused on just continuing to grow the business. We, you know, given the diversity of our customer base, we were pretty lucky uh, in that. And plus, obviously, logistics being a cornerstone of, of the entire economy, pretty lucky to have pretty significant growth throughout the year. Uh, so we actually, in uh, May of the last year, May 2020, we actually acquired a, a freight brokerage uh, and brought that in to accelerate our freight capabilities for our customers so that they could bring these different services together. Um, and as part of that, accelerated into the second half of the year where um, it was a pretty interesting experience for us. We, we didn't really go out uh, so much to raise as we knew a lot of great partners and uh, they brought forward their thesis based off of COVID, based off of the uh, rapid expansion of uh, distribution and, and logistics and wanted to work with us. And we thought it was a, a great match and moved forward. Excellent stuff. So going through this past year, obviously, you guys have been around for a short period of time, but uh, growing through this this past year, 500 percent uh, growth, 900 uh, uh, percent in your software segment, et cetera. Wow. Finding capacity warehouses and, and the changing environment. How difficult was that for you guys to navigate over this past year? Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it ultimately depends a little bit on the commodity and on the locations. Uh, you know, we have a really great uh, network of warehouses um, that we work with and, uh, you know, a ton of great relationships there along with the software that really helps ease that. And that's ultimately one of the values we provide. Um, but, you know, there definitely were some difficulties. Uh, you know, for example, throughout COVID, there was a huge spike in, uh, sanitizing, you know, hand sanitizer, cleaning products. Uh, a lot of those are chemical, uh, obviously chemical warehousing, hazmat warehousing, uh, significantly different segment than say ambient or, uh, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, food grade, cold warehousing. Mm -hmm. uh, so space, you know, varied pretty uh, wildly between these different segments. Um, ultimately, you know, we have a, a really great uh, network and really great team that uh, as we've continued to integrate and build the software layer over top, it's definitely uh, accelerated the capability to to get new customers launched quickly. I mean, we've done, for some of the customers throughout the year, a launch turnaround of uh, just a day or a couple days uh, from them signing to product moving in the door. Well, well in order to, to move product, you know, you, you might need a company, right? In order to start a company, you might want to get accelerated. Oh, yeah. You might want That's to go to something like Dynamo. So tell us, for those of us who are curious, how, a cradle-to-grave approach of starting a company, how do you? How does an accelerator work? What happens when you go into something like Dynamo? What does that even mean? I'm sure there's a lot of us who are just like, we've heard the words, we've read it, but yeah. what's the experience like? What happens? Yeah, yeah, great question. Yeah, I mean, definitely Dynamo is fundamental to our success thus far. And, uh, you know, even still today, they're one of our um, earliest investors and, and best supporters. Um, for us, it was really entering in, meeting a ton of new customers, getting market validation. So uh, my co-founder and I locked ourselves in a room and just cold called hundreds and hundreds of, of companies as well as warehouses and 
you know, just talk to them about here's what we're thinking with our solution. You know, is this something that meets a need that you're facing? You know, what is, what are you facing as a, a problem? And just really exploring and validating that problem space, um, as well as a rapid amount of product iteration. So, uh, you know, you're basically working, you're always working, you know, 100 hour weeks in a startup, but you're working somehow even more so in an accelerator to, uh, to get that validation, to iterate on the product, uh, and to meet with potential investors, as well as uh, just get feedback on company growth. Are, are, is there anxiety involved in that? I know this is like about more of a personal thing and it would depend on the person. Is there anxiety like I'm going to fail out of the accelerator or my product's not good enough or we're not working hard enough? Like I imagine a lot of those doubts have to creep and crowd and especially in the, that early nascent years. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, uh, you know, for personally for myself, I, I love the challenge. I love the sort of exhilaration of building something from the ground up. So uh, that's always, you know, invigorating and exciting for me, but definitely in the very early days, uh, particularly, you know, accelerator days, uh, particularly for something, you know, like what's common uh, that we talk about on here on the show of B2B businesses, uh, you know, you have a much longer sales cycle. So uh, starting off getting those first few customers, it's much harder to validate the business and prove that uh, there's high value there. Uh, so there definitely can be some initial anxiety until you start getting the engine rolling. So, so let me ask you this. I, I went through uh, a very similar when here yeah. <laughs> at freight waves that you did not at, not at dynamo and at, at engage down in, in Atlanta. But uh, so I, I've yeah. done the, I've done the hundreds of phone calls uh, selling vaporware deal. Uh, how many, or has there been those naysayers that said, now you're, 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 we don't need this. How many of them come back to you and how gratifying is that when that happens? When you, when they, you, know, you get that, you get that, nah, I don't think it's going to work. And then they come back and say, well, maybe, right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty common, uh, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, from, from the early days, you know, I guess the biggest thing is, uh, you know, ultimately we're not trying to, uh, put anyone out of a job by any means. We're ultimately trying to make uh, everyone more effective and, and help, uh, you know, supply chain planners, help operations individuals not spend their time just checking two rows or two columns in an Excel spreadsheet, but actually do uh, and, you know, accelerate their supply chain capabilities. Uh, but I'd say that's probably the most common is uh, early on, we got people telling us that, you know, hey, I do this job. It's only I'm able to do it. Uh, and you know, ultimately, once we have some more conversations and they start to see what other companies are doing with us, um, you know, they tend to come back and, and work through ways that, uh, that we, they can leverage our platform. You know, we yeah. had Matt Walsh from Trophy Smack on here. Matt Walsh came yeah, from a background right. of working yeah. in freight and logistics. And by the way, he's going to be on Shark Tank this week. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. So I, I hope Ooh, they, they I get a big... That. And he's, he's promised me he's going to come on afterwards, too, and he's going to tell us all about how his Very experience cool. was cool. on the tank. That's going to be... Uh, that's going to be fantastic. Why did yeah. you bring him up? Oh, yeah, I brought him up because uh, this, is, uh, at one, uh, this is a one-stop solution, right? You probably recognize that a lot of people, if they're not Matt Walsh, they don't have background in freight logistics, they don't know how to interconnect all these different moving parts. They don't know how to fi find the warehouse and secure the space and bring it all together and realize how many intermediaries they are. Do you think having sort of outside eyes and a fresh perspective helps you sort of embody who that customer is because you yourself can see what the, uh, the, the, I don't want to use like as negative, but the ignorance the is that you're, yeah, that your typical person would yeah. have when they're, like when they're trying to find the this paradigms. Stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely think, uh, you know, there's benefit to having that outside viewpoint. I think, uh, to a large extent, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, helps with 
uh, avoiding not doing it because you realize how difficult the problem space is or, you know, how many intermediaries or how many different steps are involved. Uh, because, you know, I think typically uh, for individuals who have been in the industry for so long, they know how difficult the problem is. So, uh, you know, they're not sure where to start or where to bite off. Um, and coming from an outside, you know, you have a little bit of that, uh, a lot more optimism, uh, you know, techno optimism, if you will. And um, I think for us, one of the things that we've done pretty well so far, and definitely always looking, you know, we're expanding our team quite a bit. So got lots of roles open if anyone's listening. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I think we've done pretty well is we paired both individuals from just a pure technology background. They may not have any knowledge of supply chain with individuals with deep supply chain experience because the two of them, you know, coming head to head can ultimately, um, you know, bounce off each other into the best solution versus uh, following an existing paradigm or just coming at it without any knowledge of pre-existing solutions. Well, let's ask him before we let him go. Well, well we don't even have to spin him. I, I, now I'm curious about this this theme park one. So, oh. store doesn't work out, right? You're in you're in Atlanta, and you're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go to Orlando. I'm going to go work at Disney. You're going to join the cast. What character are you? Oh wow. Uh, let's see. Well, Disney owns just about everything at this yeah. point. So. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, anything, right? Yeah. It's be Baby so. Yoda. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good one. Uh, definitely a fan favorite. Um, man, I'm going to have to go with, I'll go with Spider-Man. That's a yeah. pretty good one. Yeah. My kids will be a big fan of that one. Actually, you said they're really into Venom now and like the symbiotes and the plan of symbiotes okay, and carnage yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't want to totally nerd out on you, but <laughs> all that kind of, Hey man, how, where do people go to learn more about stored and to get this, this, uh, one-stop solution and, and get rolling with their business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you just go to stored.com, S T O R D.com. Um, and we've got all sorts of resources on our blog as well as, um, elsewhere online and, you know, happy to uh, have our team chat and see what we can do to help. Thank you very much for your time today. Happy New Year. Take it easy and best of luck with your company this year. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Best of luck and Happy New Year. Take happy it easy. New Year, Jacob. All right, a little, uh, little big deal, little deal. 41-year-old James Gamino, right? And 22-year-old McKenzie. That guy owes me money. He does. Well, maybe that's why he's doing <laughs> what he's doing here. Him and Mackenzie Covington. She's 22. He's 41. That's, it's, supposed to, like, it's supposed to be half your age plus seven at the very least, right? That's I that's twice. That's that's that's. I don't know. I'm At not going to judge them. Your life? They were. I'll judge them for this though. They okay. were arrested the day after Christmas for siphoning hundreds of gallons of gas from a trucking company. Is this a big deal or a little deal? Wow. Really? I think it's a big deal because he was like covered in diesel and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. He might have lit himself on fire. I he didn't know what he was doing. I yeah. don't think is more the the big deal than anything else in this story, right? I think drugs may be at play. I think that it would be a big deal. I think it would be a big deal if you were hearing like mass siphoning of gas because that means that like people, a lot of people are running out of money. And like that's just oh yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. if there was like hordes of people road warrior going through (laughs) Chicago streets siphoning gas yeah yeah it's one guy covered in it not doing a very good job right have you ever siphoned gas before yes do you really have to like do the thing yes you do spit it out well not if you're talented oh okay the first few times yeah you get a mouthful of gas but after a while you don't all right yeah we were young we had motorbikes we needed (laughs) gas we didn't have the twenty five cents in those days it cost to uh, 
buy a gallon. Jeez. <laughs> tells you anything about my time. <laughs> By the way, I was in New Jersey. I was in New Jersey, and I got out of my, my car. Like, I'm not thinking. I just yeah. pull over off the oh, side yeah. of the road. <laughs> done that I get out to go pump the gas, and the guy, like, he runs out of the booth. And yeah. he's like, get back! Get back from there! Like you're robbing the joint. <laughs> yeah, I found out. I guess they get fined $500 if they oh, get yeah. caught, if you get caught pumping gas. Yeah, yeah. No, don't. No bueno. Don't no, do that. do in Jersey. No. Hey, so big deal, little deal. Right. The U.S. has fallen uh, well short of its goal to vaccinate 20 million people by the end of December. In fact, it only hit about 2.8 million so far. Uh, you know, and they're talking about, you know, you need to hit 20 percent of a city and whatever to to reduce the effects of and reduce the, the contractual rate. Yeah. Big deal, little deal. It's it's a big deal, but I think it's one that it shouldn't be that hard to see coming. I mean, I think the biggest bottleneck was going to come at that distribution and administration point. Always blame ops, especially if you're trucking people. Don't yeah. blame. We're not going to blame us. We we moved it just fine. It got there just fine. No, well, the thing is, the thing is, like, I, 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 two things happen here. One is the 20 million number. A lot of experts said that that was sort of ridiculous to begin with, so they put the bar too high. Oh. But they said, with the amount of doses we have, the network we have, we should have been able to put out 4.1 million doses. So not as oh, is that, bad. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, 1% of New York has been done. They intend to do a lot more. In the first 17 days, 88,000 people have been vaccinated. So, I mean, it's happening. It's slow. It's a slower process. Like we said, 2021, it's, it, the zero just turned into a one. That's all that happened there. That's all that happened. That's all that happened. Yeah, unfortunately, that's all that happened. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's... Yeah, a, I'm with it, you. I it, was kind of like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a big deal in the sense that it's, it's just... We'd like one day and everybody's vaccinated. We're done with it. That, that'd be, that'd nice. be great. That'd be nice. I think the big deal here is just realizing how difficult this is to get done. Well, here's the thing. I mean, they get, once they are able to iterate on the process, do you understand? Too, a lot of these people administering the vaccines, they haven't really done this before either. Yeah, you know, in the yeah. country, we haven't really done this before on mass scale. So yeah. we have to exhibit some patience, you know, and it's not the easiest thing to do, as you're no, seeing. I, no, All right. No several, several weeks before it got hit by a ransomware attack, Ford Air did a comprehensive role play to prepare the company for a disaster. The event they were preparing for... A ransomware attack. Big deal or little deal? Um, I think it's a big deal. It's a hell of a coincidence, one. Yeah. <laughs> but two, I think it's a big deal just because, uh, well, not just because, but two reasons. One, it's a big deal because we have to do this, right? It makes sense to do it. Yeah. It's a big deal that then it actually came, uh, it was realized, and they actually benefited from having to do this and actually learn how to pick up a pencil. Piece mm -hmm. of, a pencil and a piece of paper and move freight. Yes. Right? Uh, so, and it's a big deal because in these type of companies, as we move further you into technology, you have less codgers. and less. You know all those old codgers in the company are like, oh, I told you that tech was terrible. <laughs> you know, I told you that tech would be the end of us. You don't have to be an old codger. I mean, I've been in that situation where it's <laughs> it, it shut down <laughs> and nobody on the dock knew what the hell to do. But if Slack didn't and work I'm like, today. But dude, there's, there's, here's the bill of ladings I, and those are trucks and those are forklifts. Uh, that's move. the problem. We all rely on tech, right? We all yeah. rely on tech and be a big problem. Yeah. Like Slack was down today. People think they're fired. They come back to work. On <laughs> All these people exactly. are like, oh, God. they're like, exactly. Oh, whoa, good thing I heard this happening to everybody. I thought I lost my job. And your labor. All right. Speaking of people who may lose their jobs, I don't know if you caught this thread over the weekend. I did. It was Bean Dad. It's a guy named by the name of John oh, yeah, Roderick. Yeah, I, had, yeah. I had not heard of him before. Apparently, he hosts a podcast with uh, with Ken Jennings. I think he wrote a few songs before. Yeah. Um, he has a couple others. Well, he, he goes on Twitter, right? And he makes this 23 tweet threat. Now, granted, tweets themselves aren't that long, but a 23-tweet thread is pretty excessive, even by Twitter standards. Well, he's got his nine-year-old daughter. He's doing his jigsaw puzzle. She comes over. She brings over a can of baked beans, and she says, you know, can I open it? So can I make this can of beans? This guy, he hands, he, he, she hands him the can. He hands her the can opener back, and he goes, you need to intuit how to open the can. 
Yeah. You think of how the engineer thought to use the can opener and, do, yeah. and like he fully admits Training the thread that he'd never seen. She'd never seen anyone. You know, we usually learn from mimicry. Not she'd never seen anyone open this can. She's nine years old. Never seen anybody S- using a, a can opener. That's another problem too. <laughs> how, like how has that not happened? I don't. I think. So, it, I don't think it didn't not have or something. Dude, so he, he he was really patting himself on the back. He made her wait six yeah. hours to eat. Right. He yeah. really made her solve this. Well, he she continued. She was starving to death. She almost died doing his stupid jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> Do you think that's a good way to teach a kid? Um, well, I, I, you know, sometimes, yeah, in a situation like that, I don't think letting them starve to death, and neither yeah. do I think he did. I think the key is you have never heard of him until now. I think what you and don't know. That was the point. I, I think it's embellished quite a bit, and <laughs> I well, doubt she was, like, in a cage starving to death while she learned how to build a can opener. But here's what happened. I think why a lot of people got very sensitive to this one is I think a lot of people have the experience of being a child, especially yeah. females, of being that and having a, an authority figure or a male figure yeah. um, either mansplain or not even explain, intentionally withhold knowledge, dangle that knowledge in front of their face, and then publicly display it on Twitter. That's a huge problem. And people get so angry. They got so angry to start going through this guy's history. And guess what? Turns out in 2012, 2013, before he deleted his Twitter account, he was writing a lot of racist stuff and slurs and those kind of things, too. Ah, there you go. You know? Yeah, well, the way he did it was not was not cool. And writing that story, I don't know why he thought he was going to be viewed as positive. I didn't see it as positive. I thought it was complete BS and never really happened, hopefully, because it's ridiculous. You would hope. You would hope. Um, but to make it even just, I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a big, and it's a little deal, but it's also a big deal to think that that's cool. Yeah, right? I, I, be, just be empathetic, especially your own kids. Just be empathetic. Understand that, like, the lesson, when you are trying to teach someone a lesson, right? Yeah. And I want to go to soap, but when you're trying to teach someone a lesson, also realize, like, be empathetic to the, the person you're instructing as well and how they're receiving that message. So let's say they don't have a fully developed mind, like a nine-year-old child. How, like, about, they, pick up the, the, uh, how about pick up the can opener in the can? And Show teach them how it works. Yeah. Use that as a learning experience. Dude, See how it works it, and what they were thinking when they built. I mean, come even on. Even in the thread, you got to turn it sideways. You couldn't even yeah. into it. What a jerk. You know what was not a jerk, though? Or you know what's, you know what's a big deal? What, what the truck is going to three days a week, not this Wednesday, starting next week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Not you know, we, one, had to, we had to get back like all of you. <laughs> what the <laughs> truck. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, exciting stuff. We also, got, we also got a virtual sales conference coming out January 28th, virtual event January 28th, 2021. It's the uh, Sales and Marketing Summit. We're going to cover the whole gamut of sales and that. Maybe Kevin Hill and I, even though, you know, I, I quit the bands on Put That Coffee Down. Maybe, Did uh, you quit it? Well, yeah. You did? Yeah, I had to. I had to expand with you, you know. Yeah. I was given it. It was like mm. when um, when Dylan had to pick between Brenda and Kelly on 90210. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know who any of those people are. Uh, well, it's an <laughs> older show. Only some of you will get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's January 20th. Go to live.freightways.com to register. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That is D-O-O-N-E-R. Connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find him at Vincent the Dude on the Twitter. Sometimes. Not very often. Not very often. But or yeah. on LinkedIn. After this show, though, there's this new app called Clubhouse. And I know a ton of you aren't on it, but I'm going to jump on it. And I've, I, uh, I'm not even sure how you find rooms. Like, honestly, it's my first time using it. I have put the link out there. I've scheduled the room. So if you're on Clubhouse, come join me for this Water Truck after party. We'll just say hello, happy new year. See where it goes from there. I'm not 100% familiar with how it even works. So we'll experience it together. In the meantime, subscribe to What the Truck on your favorite podcast player of choice. And uh, be good to yourselves, right? Because I've been living on the edge of a broken heart. <laughs> Don't you wonder why I got to say goodbye? Peace and love, everybody. Peace and love.